Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So we've been doing a series on the Garden of Eden, and I asked Judith to give me some lovely flowers today uh, to illustrate my point. Um, this is just a, a small portion. Imagine this was like millions of flowers of all different colors and sizes and types. That's the Garden of Eden. And what I want to do today is use it as an illustration of the Garden of Eden in our lives, your life and my life. And there's three kind of parts to it. Imagine this was planted in the ground. So there's roots, um, there's the flowers, the fruits, and then there's the fragrance that they give off um, in the Garden of Eden. And just stick with me because I'm going to be going through this theme all the way through my talk today. So the roots are the relationship that we have with God and that Adam and Eve had. I spoke about this two weeks ago. Do you remember where I spoke about having quiet times and daily time with God and our relationship with God? That's the roots. And Adam and Eve had that. They had this intimate relationship with God. It wasn't, God, are you there far away? Who are you? I wonder if you're listening. They spoke with God daily face to face. That's the relationship. The fragrance that comes off it are the results of, of this beautiful garden. And that was the ministry of them. Remember, James spoke last week about we have to guard and extend the garden throughout the whole world. And that's ministry. That's extending the kingdom of God, getting more and more people to know about Jesus. Imagine the beautiful fragrance coming off these flowers as we go around with this relationship and with these fruits there's a fragrance of Christ that follows us, the Bible says. And wherever we go, we bring the fragrance of Christ. And people say, I want what you've got. I want the peace, the joy, the, the purpose in your life. I want, I want that. And so James spoke about that. So the roots we spoke about, relationship, the uh, results or the, the fragrance we spoke about in the last two weeks. But today I want to talk about this little flower, the fruits, the the righteousness. I wonder what you think of when I say the word righteousness. I was in, uh, in a wonderful Bible school in America. Bronnie and I had two years in a Bible school there, and there was a particular lecturer who just spoke about righteousness every time he spoke. It didn't matter what topic you asked him to speak on, he came back to righteousness, and he kept talking about the Garden of Eden, and when I arrived at Bible school, righteousness was not a big topic in my mind. I, I never really thought about righteousness very much. I kind of thought about it, you know, where people say, if you believe in Jesus, then you are, you are called righteous. You are clothed with righteousness. Even though you've sinned, God sees you as righteous. So I, that was my only real thought of righteousness. But this lecturer put in my mind this idea that living righteously, not just not just putting on a cloak of righteousness, not just being called righteous when I'm not really righteous, but actually living righteously, not old fuddy-duddy rules and, and restrictive regulations, thou shalt not, no, no, be, be good, don't be bad, don't have any fun. No, no, righteousness is this lifestyle where I'm living as God intended or designed for me to live, I'm doing all the things that all those rules say that I should, but it springs out of a relationship. It comes out of a, it's all kind of wrapped up in this 
package. I can't split it out and say righteousness and relationship are two separate things. It all goes together. But righteousness, living as God intended me to live, is vital. It was part of the Garden of Eden. How many of us know that when Adam and Eve lived every day, all through the day, they got up in the morning, they lived, and eventually they went to bed at night, every single thing they did, everything they thought, everything they said, every motive of their heart was exactly as God intended it to be. It was pleasing to God. It was, he said, I've made this beautiful machine called a human being. I put my spirit in it. I put my very essence in it. And look, they're living exactly as I intended for them to live. That is righteousness. And righteousness brings happiness. There's a verse in Proverbs 10. It says, the hope of the righteous is gladness. Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Ephesians 5.9, the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Righteousness is not a, it's not a heavy rules-based word. You know, the devil would like us to think that righteousness is about rules. Remember what the devil came, the serpent came to Eve and said, God doesn't really want you to have the full maximum amount of fun. And that's why he said, don't eat from that tree. The devil wants you to think that God's way of living is boring and miserable and that there's more fun outside. But the truth of the matter is, all joy, all peace, all happiness, all life, all fulfillment, everything good is in this thing called righteousness. Living as God intended us to live. I wonder if I'm convincing you. You know, from our very earliest age, we grow up and people say to you, no, don't, with a frown on their face. And we start to associate rules and restrictions and boundaries with negative emotions. And today I want to say to you, the Garden of Eden was the happiest place ever. And the people living there were the happiest people ever. They had the most fulfillment, the most joy, the most life. And it was because they were living as God intended them to live. And my message today, I'm going to try and unpack it a little bit and explain how, how we've gone so far off track with understanding righteousness in so many ways. But my message is simply this. God has in his mind, when he made us and when he made you, he had in mind for the human race a way for us to live. And it's called righteousness. And it's the place of peace and life. Listen to this verse, Isaiah 32, 17. The work of righteousness is peace. The effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance or confidence forever. Psalm 23 talks about he leads me beside quiet waters uh, and, and green pastures. And then it says he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Friend, if Jesus is your shepherd and you are a Christian, he is leading you. He is trying to lead you. He's calling you. He's saying, come along. Remember, he says, my sheep know my name and I know their name and I call them and they follow me. He's saying, come along into this path of righteousness. And we go, righteousness? Don't tell me how to handle my money. He says, there's peace and life and green pastures and lovely rest here. He says, 
um, the way that you relate to other people. Not in competition or trying to put them down or trying to get the better of them or trying to deceive or hide things from them. He says, come into righteousness, our relationships with people. Come and, and relate to people the way that I designed you to. And we say, no, no, I'll get hurt. Uh, I, I let somebody control me once before and it hurt me. He says, come into righteousness. You'll find peace. You'll find joy. Finances. He says, be generous. Look, I've got a way for you to live with your finances. And it's open-handed. We say, no, no, no. All the people have told me I mustn't, be, I mustn't give away stuff. He says, look, there's joy and life in the path of righteousness. Amen? Amen. It's, it's, it's a concept. If, I don't know if you like me. I don't know. But for me, it took me a long time at Bible school. I had to listen to Brother Carol Thompson lecturing me, I don't know how many hours every day for about a year before the penny dropped. And I started to realize righteousness equals true joy. And when I got that, it opened up this whole world to me and the Garden of Eden started to make sense. You know, what happens is we see a beautiful flower like this. And us as humans, we want to analyze it. I don't know if you like this, but I'm like this. Whenever I see something, I want to analyze it. And so I see this beauty. Ah, smells lovely. It looks lovely. Isn't it amazing? And then I think, I wonder, what, I wonder what those petals are made up of. And I start to take it apart. Do you ever do this? I start to try and, anal and I break one off. And then I start to take little bits and say, what's in here? What is this? Oh, and by the end of it, I have an understanding of it, but it's not nice anymore. It doesn't look very pretty anymore. I bust it. I broke it by trying to understand it and analyze it. And I want to say that that's what the human race has done with this thing. We've separated relationship from righteousness and from results. We've said, you can do ministry without being righteous. You can try and obey the rules without having a relationship. You can have a relationship but not be righteous. We tried to break it apart, haven't we? And the result is something that's not what God intended. Or when it comes to righteousness, we say, right, God wants me to live like this. But what exactly is righteousness? How far can I go to the edge of righteousness and still be righteous, but I haven't broken the rules yet, but I'm nearly there. And we try to analyze righteousness out. We get a bit like lawyers saying, well, what does that verse, that word really mean? Can I, when I'm going out with a girl, um, can I kiss and do this, but I still haven't committed adultery? Or we try to take it right to the edge. And actually what we should do is try and embrace it. Amen. So, I want to just speak briefly today about this, trying to split up this flower called the Garden of Eden. So, just before I, I go to that, the message today is that they had three things in the Garden of Eden. They had a relationship with God, they had a righteous lifestyle, and they had results, ministry, they were they were doing a job for God. And those three are one thing. They're one flower that is supposed to be in your life as a Christian and is supposed to be in mine. The, the message today is don't break the flower up. 
Okay? So far? All right. So the first error we make is that we try to have righteousness without relationship. We try to have righteousness without relationship. So what happened was, we know that um, Adam and Eve sinned, and so the flower got cut off from the relationship, and it started looking like this. I prepared this one beforehand. You know, if you cut it off from the relationship, life starts to seep away. Isn't that true? And that's what the world is like today. You know, when we look around the world, just creation for a start. Let's just think about creation. We can see evidence that this used to be a beautiful, lively flower, but it's running down, it's decaying, there's pain. You know, so many times my family and I have gone into the bush on safari and we've seen the beauty of a lion, for example, and we see the coloring and the markings and the, the fur and the strength in its body and the beauty in its eyes. And we're just struck by God made this thing beautiful. And the next thing we know, it's killing a little antelope and ripping its throat out. And we go, ah, what happened? Because the beauty that God intended has been corrupted by sin. Amen. You and I, in our lives, in our families, in our relationships, we can see evidence. There's still the traces of that beauty from the Garden of Eden. There's still, you can tell this used to be beautiful, but everything about our lives is tainted by sin, perverted and twisted, and is decaying and getting worse and dying. Isn't that true? And I want to say that the, the problem is that we cut off the relationship. But human nature is such that we think I can fix it by just fixing the behavior. I can just act better. And so all through the Old Testament, people were trying to act righteously without the relationship, without the sap, the life coming. They were no longer planted and connected to the source of life, God himself. They didn't have that relationship. They, they were disconnected from God, and yet they were still trying to act righteously. And God gave them the law. Do you remember on Mount Sinai, Moses went up on the mountain, and God said, these are my laws, but he knew they could never keep them. You know, without God's power in you, you can't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? Amen. Without God's power in you, you cannot never ever tell a lie. Without God's power in you, you can't stop coveting what other people have. Without God's power in you, you can't keep the law. And yet the people said, let's keep all the laws and then we'll be in right relationship with God. And the purpose of the law we see in the New Testament was just to guard and to keep us until the new life came. The seed of Eve came and was given to us and we could have new life again. And yet, throughout the Old Testament, they tried and they tried to keep the laws without the relationship. And, you know, there's three parts to the Old Testament law. I don't know if you know this. There's, some of it is righteousness. In other words, some of the laws in the Old Testament describe the righteous way that you and I are designed to live. So, do not murder. Love the Lord with all your heart. Um, do not covet. Do not lie. Uh, honor your father and mother. Keep the Sabbath. Those are 
Those are rules that are righteous rules. Those are the ways that human beings are supposed to live. But there are other laws in the Old Testament laws that are not righteousness issues. They are temple issues. You say to me, what's that all about? Well, God was getting them ready, the, the nation of Israel, to receive Jesus. Jesus had to come and give his blood as a sacrifice for us and and they would not have understood what he was doing unless God had said, we're going to have a lamb, a spotless lamb, once a year we're going to kill it, sprinkle its blood on the mercy seat, which is a pattern of the real temple in heaven. And he gave them all these ceremonial rules, circumcision and um, all the dress codes of the priests and all the different ceremonial rules. They were pointing to Jesus and Jesus said, I have come to fulfill all of those rules. He fulfilled them all. And that's why in Colossians 2, it says all those things, new moon festivals, Sabbaths, and um, all those different ceremonial rules are just a shadow. But the reality is in Jesus, they were just pointing to Jesus. So there was righteousness rules as part of the Old Testament. There were ceremonial rules. Um, and then there were just civil rules, just Rules about how to run a nation. So it said, when you build a house, make sure you put a little ledge on the roof of your house so nobody falls off your, the roof. That was one of the rules in the Old Testament. Is that a righteousness rule? Well, maybe. I suppose it's thinking about other people and hoping they don't hurt themselves. But it was just a civil rule to help them organize their lives, just like we have rules about how to do parking in the streets and, you know, don't litter and all those kind of rules. It was just civil rules. But the laws as, as a body of rules, the Jewish nation, especially the Pharisees and the priests, took these rules and they said, let's try and be righteous. Let's try and have a flower, even though we are cut off from the relationship. And again and again, the prophets in the Old Testament. You know, there's some amazing verse in the Old Testament. God says, I despise your festivals and your feasts. I'm sick of you trying to sacrifice all these animals. Let justice and righteousness flow like a river. He was saying it's not about the external actions. The relationship is what's really important. Get your relationship sorted out with me. Again and again. It says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He says, it's not about killing lots of animals. That's just a sign. The reality is walk justly, walk humbly, have mercy. All of these verses in the Old Testament point to the fact that they were trying to just go through the motions of doing rules, but their heart was not right. And then Jesus comes along and he says to the Pharisees, you've tithed and you've kept all these rules but what about your heart? What about mercy, justice, faith, love? You haven't got those things. The real essence of the law. And many people, even today, think, if I can just do, do, do. How many of us, I wonder if, I don't want you to put your hands up, but I wonder how many of us who've been Christians for any length of time would be bold enough to say, there was a time when I first got plugged into God, when I first received His forgiveness and His life and this relationship was new and I started doing things, I would get up early and pray and study the Bible and serve God and then my first love grew cold and I felt like I was far from God so I tried to fix it by doing more things. 
Is that true? I've done that. I've thought my relationship with God is not what it used to be. Let me get busy. Let me try harder. Let me use this flesh that I have, that God's given me, my own strength and my own ability to get back to God. And I want to say to you that if you break up the flower, if you try to do righteousness without the relationship, you will fail. Amen? But that doesn't mean righteousness is not important. There's a second trap. People try to have relationship without righteousness. And the book of 1 John speaks to this so, so much. There's some verses in the book of 1 John where he says, um, Do not be deceived. A person is righteous if they act righteously. It's not enough just to say, Oh, well, I'm covered with the blood of Jesus. I have a relationship with the Lord. Therefore, I can live like the devil. He says, don't be deceived. If you really are plugged in, there's going to be some beautiful flowers. Let me read you a couple of these verses. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. How many of you have seen a person who comes to church and say, Jesus, 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 and then they go out the next week and they cheat at business? Or they have an affair? Or they just speak like the devil to their family or other people? He says, if you say you have a relationship, it's going to show. It may take time. It may be a process of time. You know, flowers grow over time. It may take a while for this righteousness and this life to start manifesting in your life. But if there is no manifestation of the righteousness, the right way of living in your life, do not be deceived. You don't have a relationship with Him. But I put up my hand in a meeting. But I'll go to church every Sunday. Is there righteousness? Is that a harsh thing? Friend, it's the Word of God. I have to tell you. I have to tell you the truth. If you get to the end of your life and you're standing before God and He says to you, there is no fruit, there is no Garden of Eden in your life, and you say, but why did Greg never tell me this? I put up my hand and I, I, you know, I thought I was a Christian. Friend, now I'm telling you, if there's no fruit in your life, you are not plugged in to Jesus. Let me read you just one or two more verses about this. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Shocking. So, sometimes we try to have righteousness without relationship. Other times we think we can have relationship without righteousness. And then the third one is the results, the ministry. If we try to have ministry, if we try to do God's work, if we try to spread the gospel or help the poor or um, do good things for people, but it doesn't come out of a relationship and out of a righteous way of living, then it's meaningless. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags if they come out of the wrong uh, motive. And unfortunately, there are so many people running around this planet doing good, trying to save the whales, trying to look after the poor, trying to feed the kids, and their motive is not out of a relationship with Jesus, and they're not doing it in a way that is according to righteousness, the way God told us to do it. And as a result, God says, that's just, 
It's not going to last. It's going to be burnt up at the end of time. Amen? So, how do we fix this? What happened here? What happened to this beautiful flower? You know, Adam and Eve, the verses in Genesis 3, I find them so poignant. You can just hear the regret in Eve's voice. The Lord God said to the woman, what's this? What have you done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. You see, she thought when she ate, her eyes were going to be open and she was going to see this whole new world, this whole new beautiful realm and more things and more fruits and more life and more knowledge and more greatness. And she thought she was going to have a better life from not trusting only in God, but also trusting in the devil. And that's why it's called the knowledge of good and evil. Because they'd only known good, but now they knew good and evil. She thought she was going to get that, and when she ate, she was disappointed. Friend, I've lived on both sides of the fence. I lived the first 17 years of my life in unrighteousness. I was brought up in a family that was unrighteous. My parents were alcoholics, they had affairs, they did everything the world says is pleasurable, and I saw the destruction that that brought to them and to my life. My mum died early of alcoholism, my dad committed suicide. Um, I lived in that lifestyle. I tried all the different things that the world says are pleasurable, and I want to tell you, I understand what Eve felt. The devil deceived me. It, was, it wasn't what it was promised to be. There is no fulfillment in that life. You know, Freddie Mercury had everything. He had money, fame, success, people all around him. And he said at the end of his life, it's worth nothing. I don't have what I was looking for. It hasn't, it hasn't satisfied me. And there are so many people who, have, who, in the world's eyes, have gained everything, but they're not satisfied. The devil deceived me. He, he promised me something great, but when I ate it, it wasn't what I thought it would be. I've told the story before, but I'll tell it again. It's a little picture of a little cog in a machine. And the little cog is in its right place, and it just turns around in the machine, and all the rest of the machine fits around it, and it does its job in the machine as it was designed to do. And one day it says to itself, I wonder if this really is the best place for me. Let me go and wander around the machine and find other things and see what else there is for me. And so it jumps out of the place it was designed to be and it starts looking around the machine, but there's nowhere else where it fits. And everywhere it goes, it's getting a little bit chipped and bent and hit and buckled because it doesn't fit. And eventually, after many days or months of wandering around, it realizes I'm fulfilled where I was designed to be. And it goes back and it fits back in its slot and there it feels fulfilled again. Friend, I want to say to you, the thing missing in your Christian life might be righteousness. It might be righteousness. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. There is a fulfillment and a peace that comes. You know, the world will say... What old-fashioned rules about sexuality does the Christian church have? 
How old-fashioned, how stupid are those rules? Those rules about you can't sleep with someone until you're married. The, all, those, all those restrictive regulations. Throw them off. You can almost hear the devil's voice. Has God really said you can't sleep with anyone? No, no. God has said there is the perfect relationship where I get fulfillment and joy and the maximum amount of satisfaction and pleasure in a marriage covenant for the rest of my life. It brings joy, life, happiness, peace, and I avoid all those diseases. And there is a lot of, there is a lot of statistics that show that the lifestyle of living outside of God's ways reduces your life expectancy. Did you know that? I mean, this is not popular stuff. They don't advertise this a lot. But if you look at the statistics for, just take sexual practices. If you look at the statistics for people who act outside of God's design for a faithful, monogamous marriage for the rest of your life, that is the most healthy and most satisfaction that you can ever have. And the lifestyle brings life and health. Any other lifestyle. You say, oh, but I'm, I'm attracted to lots of other people other than my spouse. Well, join the club. We're damaged. You say, but I'm attracted to different types of, of sexual things that are not exactly as God said. Yes, we're damaged. Get plugged in. Get plugged into the relationship. Get back into God. You know, if Eve, when the devil came to her, he said, there's this other fruit. If she had said to the devil and to herself, I know that what God wants for me is best. He's a loving father. He wouldn't lie to me. I don't quite understand and I don't know what you're talking about, but I trust my father God. I'm going with him. The power of God would have flooded in and they would still be in the Garden of Eden today. You and I, when we get tempted by all these different things, and it's not just sex, it's, it's all sorts. Theft, lying, uh, bitterness, trying to control people, uh, all the different things in this world, all the ways living outside of righteousness of God's plan. Whenever we're tempted, we need to say, God, I'm struggling, but I trust you are good. Please fill me with your power. And when we're plugged into him, what happens is his power floods in and I want to say to you and this is I'm going to close with this and it's a it's a powerful statement but you won't hear this often you can live righteously you really can when the power of God is flooding into you when you have a relationship with him you can avoid temptation and you can live righteously you may stumble now and again. That doesn't mean you're terrible. It just means you pick yourself up and you get on it, back on it again. And God says, I'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness if you confess your sins. But you can. Don't aim for something low. Aim for what you can achieve. You can live right. You can live as God intended in relationships, in uh, your work, in the way you handle your money, in your, the way you handle other people, bosses and people under you ministry, church life, all the different things. There is a way that God has designed for us to live, and it is the best. 
So over the next few weeks, we're going to conclude this series, probably in two or three weeks' time. We're going to talk about just a couple of more of the things that were in the Garden of Eden that we can have today. We've spoken about relationships. We've spoken about ministry and doing things for God. We've spoken about righteousness. Um, we're going to talk about dominion. God gave them dominion. We're going to talk about how we can have dominion, a real correct authority and power and dominion in this world. We're going to speak about marriage relationships and covenants. Uh, and I may also just do one more talk on overcoming temptation and sin. I invite you to stand with me now. And I'm going to ask you just to focus on Jesus. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you died so that I could get plugged back into God, so that I could have the fruit and the life of the Garden of Eden in my life today. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help me. Help me, Lord, to get back to this place of relationship, of righteousness, and of results, of, of fragrance, of ministry. Help me, Lord, where I've, my life has not been righteous, to, to correct it, to get back to you, to get your forgiveness again, and to move on in the correct way. Help me, Lord, to change my mindset about these areas of my life where I've been living outside of your plan, and I've been resisting your plan for my life. And help me, Lord, please, to live to the maximum, to the fullest potential that you've given me. And I'm going to ask the Lord right now just to pinpoint in your life, just in the next few seconds, maybe one or two areas where you know you are living outside of the plan that God has for you. Lord God, I pray right now that you would just put in our hearts those areas, maybe one, two or three areas where there's something in my life that is not according to God's plan. And friend, I want to say to you that God puts that in your mind now for a reason because His power is available to help you overcome it and to readjust your life. It might be in your relationship to authority. It might be in your finances. It might be that you're living an unhealthy lifestyle and God says, I want to bless you with health, but you've got to stop doing these things. It might be in a sexual relationship. It might be in your work. Maybe you're lazy. Maybe God wants to bring you back into a good relationship with your work. Maybe you're harboring bitterness or pride or rebellion or stubbornness, unforgiveness, hurt, and God wants you to just let that go so that he can flood in with his peace. I'm going to ask you now to lift those things up to him. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and wash all that away, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've got to confess it though. We've got to say, Lord, here it is. Take it away. And he floods in with that life-giving sap that comes from the plant. And he gives you the life that you need. We're going to sing one or two more songs. And as we do that, just allow the life of God to flood into you right now. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.